Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, um, it reads like this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved it. Everybody say, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, and press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I have read that passage maybe hundreds of times for all I know. I have read it so many times, and I have missed uh, what is now my favorite part of the verse. Here, what he's saying, Paul is saying this, look, I'm preaching something here that I have not achieved myself. I mean, look at that level of transparency. I mean, he is being so honest here. He's saying, I'm telling you to do this. I haven't figured it out myself yet, but I'm trying my best. I know what God wants. I know what the word of God is. I'm telling you what it is. I just want you to know, I'm trying too. That, this is the guy who wrote the Bible. And, and that just, I don't know, just raise your hand if that encourages you. Does that encourage you? That encourages me. Look at the person next to you. That should encourage you. Yeah, because we see them living, right? But, you know, I can't tell you. I've been, I've been speaking um, and, and preaching, teaching since I was 19. Since I was 19 years old. So that's like two years. <laughs> All right. Since I was 19. Uh, and so I'm just telling you, I can't tell you how many times I have preached a message and thought to myself, oh, dear Lord. I'm not even doing this. I, I can't even believe it. You know, how many times have I sat, or uh, I, I sit now, but I've always stood when I preach, um, it, it stand up and say, let me tell you how to raise godly children. And then I get in the car. My kids are fighting each other. They're pulling each other's hair. I'm getting a call from the principal because my kids are acting like animals. I just got done preaching how to raise godly children. I got a call while I was in Guatemala, which oddly enough, we're, on the, we're in the mountains in Guatemala. They have no running water, but they have cell phones. <laughs> Seriously, it's amazing. I pulled out my iPhone to take a picture of one of these little girls because she was so cute. She pulled out her Blackberry that had a camera and took a picture of me. Like, are you serious? Anyway, I'm up there in the mountains. Allie calls me. I'm in the mountains. We, the, the vehicles couldn't even get us to the village. I'm like, hello? Allie says, oh, yeah, um, just so you know, when you get home, one of our kids is, is grounded when you get home. I'm like, I'm so glad you called to tell me that. I'm looking at people that have no food, but... So she goes, she goes... Uh, the, the reason why they're grounded is they, they lied to me. I'm like, that's a good reason to, to, to be grounded. So I hang up the phone. I'm teaching these Guatemalans on how to have godly families. <laughs> My kid is at home lying. I'm teaching them how to have godly families. That's awkward. 
How many times have I said, let me teach you how to be a godly husband and have a, a righteous, glorious marriage? And my wife has me in the doghouse. Me and my wife are fighting. Me and my wife got into an argument last night. It's awkward. She's wrong a lot. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) What am I going to do? So, no, we got into a a series. It was a marathon, wasn't it? Two and a half hours? Some of you are like, I don't believe that. Don't act holy. I'm being honest. You be honest. I know you've thrown a few things. <laughs> yeah, if you're a guest here, you're like, I didn't know we were going to be honest. I'm not coming back to this. Yeah. Yeah, we got into a heated discussion last night. I was at the Astros game. She shot me a text message and said, hey, when you get home, we need to talk about that. I'm like, great. I hope this goes into extra innings. <laughs> I promise if the Lord, I, I, the Lord knows what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the movies after this game. <laughs> I promise I thought that thought. I am not in the mood to go home and get toe into. <laughs> so I came in. Lou, I, as soon as I came in, I can't believe I'm telling you guys all this. I come in the door. It's like 10.15. Luke says, Daddy, will you tuck me in? Absolutely. Will you tell me a story? I'll tell you five. I'll tell you five stories. I'm thinking, please be sleeping, Allie. Please be sleeping. Please be sleeping. I come in, open up the door. Her light's on. And I'm like, maybe she fell asleep with the light. And I saw her hand move. I was like, oh, Jesus. Here we go. And man, I tell you what. I got in some trouble. <laughs> so here I am. It's Sunday now. And now we come in. She's got makeup on. She looks so pretty. I got my little thing here. Don't I look like a good pastor? Now, now I'm up here preaching now. We just got in a fight last night. And I'm going to talk to you about how to be godly and holy and live a righteous, overcoming life. It's a little awkward. It's a little awkward. It's a little awkward. I like how Paul said it. He just kind of said it in passing. He didn't really emphasize it. He was like, not that I have already achieved this. But one thing I do do is I forget the past and I strain towards the future. Praise the Lord. But I'm seeing what he's saying here. He's like, not that I'm doing this myself. I get that. But so I look at the next sentence, though, and I, it's like, okay, I understand, I understand. I, I look at the sentence, and he's saying here that he presses forward. Now, I ask myself the question, what is pressing forward? What does that mean? This is how I see it meaning. You, you've got these, um, these, these categories in life. So all of us, I can guarantee you, we all have these in common. There's one particular part of our life where... It's, we're killing it. The trajectory is high and it's sharp. Things are going awesome in that category. Then you got another category of life. It's kind of flatline. It's not doing great. It's not doing bad. You could, you'll try to ignore it if you can. And then there's another category of all of our lives that the trajectory is actually going down. The plane is like, wow. 
And we want to cover that part up. We don't want to talk about that part. We don't want anybody outside of the house to know about that part. We're fine with everybody knowing the part that's doing well. But this part, we don't really talk about that part. And so this is, this is the whole emphasis. Paul is saying this. Look, I've got these parts of my life too. I, I haven't attained this either. The one thing I do do with these areas is I strain forward. Now watch this. What does strain forward mean? What does that mean? Does that mean don't quit? Sure it does. Does that mean keep on trying? Sure it does. But I need something a little bit more practical. Are you with me? I need something that I can kind of sink my teeth in. And if you read all of Paul's writings, he is passionate about praying. And so I want to just share that the remainder of this message is saying that prayer and the type of prayer, how you pray, changes everything. And this is what I know in my spirit. In the Western world, more people in America, uh, let me say it this way. In America, I recently read this stat. In America, we have more people attending church on Sunday morning than any other Western world country. Are you hearing that all the way? We have more people attending church on Sunday morning. Now, we're good at attending church. And we're good at singing songs. We're even better at looking like we're attending church. Now, I was at a football game, my son's football game. He's like in this eight-year-old league. And I heard this guy behind me. He had a real foul mouth. And about ten minutes later, this guy asked him, Hey, do you want to go da 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 He goes, No, no, I can't do that because this Sunday I'm an usher. All right. Um, I hope you're not on the welcoming team because you got a filthy mouth. That's what I'm thinking in my head. So we're, we're good just to kind of paint us all with one broad stroke. We're good at going to church. We're good at telling people we're going to church. But praying, most of the time, not so good. And that is the only thing that moves the needle. The the areas of our life that have a low trajectory where the the plane is going down, if you and I could move the nose of the plane, if we could move the attitude of the plane to to fly at a different altitude, if, if we could do it, we would have already done it. If physically in your body you're sick, if you could get your body more healthy you would have already done it. If you could get yourself out of debt, you would have already done it. If you could restore your relationships with your family, you would have already done it. The reason why the needle hasn't moved is because you can't do it. That's why it hasn't moved. The reason why the needle hasn't moved in my life in certain areas is because I haven't grabbed it by the throat and prayed it through. So we're going to talk about praying for the remainder of this topic, and I'm going to pick up part two next week. So watch this. Now, I I recently heard of some Indians that they were, uh, it was a a unique tribe. They could, uh, they could pray down rain. They were, they were rain dancers. Anybody ever hear of rain dancers? Well, this other tribe invited the rain dancers to come to their tribe to dance for rain. Because they hadn't had any rain in forever. So they came over there and they started dancing and dancing and dancing and dancing. And sure enough, it starts raining. So they asked them, how do you do this? 
And they just said, well, we just keep on dancing until it starts raining. <laughs> there is a, that is an attitude that I love so much. We just pray until the needle moves. Because we've come to the place that we know the needle can't move unless God moves it for us. Are you with me? I was, I was reading about a gazelle. Every single morning a gazelle wakes up. Every single morning. It has to run faster than the fastest lion. Otherwise, it doesn't live. It will die. But every time a lion wakes up, it has to run faster than the slowest gazelle. Otherwise, the lion doesn't live. The lion will die. And so both for the gazelle and for the lion, speed is the source of them living. Speed, running, is their source. You and I, it's not running, it's praying. You pray, things get better, faster. God gets involved. You don't pray, watch this, people who go to church who don't pray are frustrated. People who go to church but don't pray are frustrated. You know why they're frustrated? Is because you're backing up and you're like, God, I go to church every single Sunday. Hello, where are you? A church attendance is very important, but it has to be coupled with a relationship. So let, let's begin to unpack what we're going to do here. Starting on Monday, August the 31st. Everybody say the 31st. Look at the person next to you and say, you look good. Say the 31st. The 31st. Monday the 31st, we're doing something together as a church family that is going to move the needle in our individual lives and corporately. What we're going to do is we are going to start a 14-day prayer intensive. Now watch this. Watch this. Hold on a second. Watch this. Uh, I've ran, I think, three, maybe four marathons. When you run 26 miles, you can't run the same pace as you do for a short race like a 5K. When you run a 5K, you can go all out. Just run, ah, just run, just leave it all out there. A marathon, you're going to be out there a while. So you better get you a good little pace. A 14-day prayer intensive, we are going to run at a pace. We're going to pray at a pace, be committed at a pace that we may, may not be able to sustain our entire life, but we can do it for 14 days. It's a prayer intensive. Let me tell you the three parts to the prayer intensive. Number one is the calendar. Okay, we're going to pray 30 minutes a day. You get to pick what days that you want to participate. You may only pick one day, which for you would be huge possibly because you haven't prayed in a long time. So this would be committing to one day is awesome. But it's going to be over 14 days. Every time you commit... And I'm going to tell you what committing looks like. Every time you commit, you're committing to pray 30 minutes that particular day. Now, 30 minutes may sound very intimidating, but by the time this message is over, it's going to be very, very simple. The second phase of the prayer intensive is commitment. Now, this is what we're going to do. We have this feature on our website where all of us that's going to participate in this 14-day prayer intensive, you go to our website. Watch this. Check it out. Go ahead and put it on the screen. It looks like this. You go to woodlandcelebration.com and you go to that 14-day prayer intensive and you click on it. 
It takes you to this page. Those are the dates right there. So you look at those dates and you say, what dates am I going to commit to praying for at least 30 minutes? And so then you go down here and you decide which date is it. You click on that date. It'll take you to this page right here. You write your name in there. You put your email in there. And it's just very, very, very simple. You, you click on the submit sign. Bink. Now, at that point, naturally, you're going to want to see if your name is on the list. So you click on that sentence. Boom. Uh, it'll take you back to that page. You scroll down and look at there. There's your name. Now, here's the thing. You may want to commit to more than just one day. You'll need to do the process all over again. The good news is, is that you can cut and paste your name into that field over and over again to make it simple. Just cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste. Now, um, that you might want to do Tuesday, click on that, go do the same exact process all over again. It is very simple. You can turn it off now. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Now, that's the commitment. Now we're going to talk about the content of your prayer. Now, for many of us, 30 minutes sounds so intimidating. Um, watch this. This is what we're going to pray. We are going to pray all the same thing. We are going to pray what I was raised on this is called a prayer wheel. Has anyone here ever used a prayer wheel before? This is a prayer wheel that I, I put together um, it, while I was praying that I really feel like we need to do. This is what it looks like. For the first, there, there's categories on this prayer wheel. Um, there's actually four of them. The gold represents when the focus is all on God, okay? Uh, the orange is when the focus is all on you in your family, in your needs, in your worries, in your concerns, in your prayer requests. Then, after that, you go to the orange section. I'm going to unpack these slices individually in a moment. But then you go to uh, the green section. That's when all of the attention is on Celebration Church. So you're praying for unsaved people, people who do not have a relationship with God. You're praying that they're going to come to Celebration Church, find a church home, and have a relationship with God. Then you go to the unchurched. That's an interesting category right there. There's a lot of saved people that if Jesus comes today, they're going to heaven, but they're at home right now, and they don't have a church home. We got to pray these people into the family. Can someone say amen to that? And then the third slice right there is strengthen. Because the people that do attend our church, we want to get stronger together. All right? Then the next section is our nation and the will of God. That's when the, uh, our attention goes on our country and then we're back to the gold. Now, I'm going to spend just a few minutes talking about four of those slices, okay? I'm going to talk about four of them and then next week I'm going to talk about the rest of them. Let me cruise through it real quick. The first slice is praise. So when you pray, um, it, it, when you go through this whole wheel, let me just tell you, 30 minutes is going to go by like that. You may end up praying longer than 30 minutes. Let me say this real quick. And this is an effort to get you to want to participate in this. I'm going to pull a Dr. Phil, okay? This, this is a, are, you, are you with me? I'm going to pull a Dr. Phil, okay? How is your life going? How, is, how are the areas going that's, that's going well? What about the areas that are not going well? 
And what have you been doing to make those areas better? And here's Dr. Phil's line. And how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Here's the thing. We cannot make it better on our own. The Bible says this, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent prayer. Some of you might be saying, but I'm not righteous. Let me ju- I can't preach that sermon because that's a sermon under its own. But when Jesus died on the cross, his blood became available to you, so now you're righteous. Now that's a whole nother message. Just know this. The scripture applies to you. In the effectual fervent prayer. The Bible also says this, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligently. Now, here's the thing. When we pray this prayer wheel at home, when we pray it in the car, whenever, wherever we're praying it, here's the thing. We pray fervently. Now, some of you just go, I've never prayed fervently in my life. What does fervently mean? Fervently means passionately. Let me explain that. When you pray for your waffles and your pancakes at IHOP, the fervency for that prayer is a one on a scale one to ten. And that's good. But when we pray the prayer wheel, it can't be a one. We're not talking about french fries, pancakes, and ding-dongs, and ho-hos. We're talking about the presence of God in our life. Are you with me? So we put some effort into it, some passion into it. You know, you, you pray fervently. So the two things is you pray the wheel, and you pray fervently. You pray the wheel... You pray fervently. Everybody prays the wheel. All right? You say, well, I got a need that's very important. That's why we got a personal need section. The wheel. Everybody say, the wheel. The wheel. wheel. All right? So, fervently and the wheel. Now, the first thing, whenever we pray, I want to just talk about Psalms 22, verse 3. It says like this, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. To inhabit means to occupy. What does that mean? When you worship in your house, God begins to occupy. That's in my head anyway. That's how I see it. Begins to occupy. When, when, when you step into your bedroom and you shut the door and you go, Lord, I love you. Amen. You got angels. Amen. Occupy. For those of you that have praised a lot in your life, you'll notice that you can feel down, you can feel depressed, you can feel irritated, and if you can just stop your world for a minute and start to praise Him when you don't even feel like it, you'll notice that depression goes away, worry goes away. Why? 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 How does that happen? Because the atmosphere changes. All of a sudden, and these angels show up, and that depressive atmosphere is like... And you're like, man, my goodness, it feels good in here. I don't feel nearly as depressed anymore. What happened? Because this angel 
just grabbed everything off your shoulders. Thank you very much. There we go. Put it over here. God occupied. You know, when you stand here on a Sunday morning and you're worshiping, why is this room different than the lunchroom? Why is this room different than walking through JCPenney's? Why is this room different? Because people are worshiping here and God just went. So you do the same thing at home. You go in the bathroom. I've done this before. You take out toilet paper. Sorry, I'm just being honest. You lay it down on the ground. You get down on your hands and knees. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just telling you what I do. And I go, Lord, thank you, Jesus, so much. In this commode, stinky, funky stall, all of a sudden, God's like, all right. I'm going to turn this stall into like the presence of God is in this stall. It's just... So the very first thing we do is we praise him. The, very, the second thing we do... Now, when you, you might catch a vein. That's what I call it. Catch a vein. And you end up praying, praising him for 15 minutes. But if you only put a couple minutes into each slice... And let me say this as well. Some of you may say, I don't have the time to do 30 minutes a day. I don't want to argue with that because you may not have the time in the schedule that you have now, okay? Um, whenever I train for, and, and I'm not training right now, so don't size me up, okay? Uh, when, whenever I train for a marathon, training runs can be three and a half hours, I don't have three and a half hours in my day. I got three kids. I got a wife. I got two dogs. I got a, I got a job. I don't have three. So where am I going to find three and a half hours to train? Well, I got to wake up at 4 a.m. Boom, there's my three hours. What time do you wake up? Six, five, 11? <laughs> what time do you wake up? You got to wake up 30 minutes earlier. For me... If I'm going to pray 30 minutes, i got to wake up 45 minutes because i got to get my two cups of coffee in before I talk to the Lord. God does not want to hear from me until I've had two cups of coffee. He's just like, Frankie, you're killing me. Go get some coffee. Go get some coffee. So you got to make time for this. Now, you may not do this for the rest of your life, but you can do it for 14 days. Now, incidentally, let me mention this. You may look at the 14-day calendar on the church website and say, I can only commit to three. So you sign up for three. You may back up and go, I'm going to aim for 14, but I'm only going to commit to two. Then just do two. But don't sign up for it and not do it. All right? If you're going to commit to 14, why is that important? This is why it's important. I know it feels like I'm all over the place right now, but we're making gumbo this morning, okay? <laughs> Just going to mix it all up. It'll come together at the end. Watch this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when they came together in one mind and one accord, a mighty rushing wind came. Yes. We all want mighty, but nobody wants to spend the time being in unity. Unity comes before mighty. Yeah. When you and I are all praying the same thing. Now, you might be up at 4 a.m. You might be praying at 11 p.m. You might be praying. At, when we're all praying the same thing, you can expect mighty. Amen. And incidentally, this just dawned on me. Incidentally, you're praying for each other because you're praying for the strength of the church when you get to the green part of the pie. My goodness, can you imagine? 
a couple hundred people, several hundred people praying for you. So don't sign up for something you're not going to do. So sign up for four days, seven days, 14 days, one day, just sign up, okay? Uh, but you got to make time for it. You got to get up earlier. Uh, I know that you feel like I'm cussing when I say the word early, but it's not a curse word. <laughs> Some people think that golf and early are two curse words that nobody should say, but um, uh, I agree with the golf one, by the way. Uh, number, number two is repent. After you praise them, we got to repent. We have to repent. We have to say, God, forgive me of my sins. Why? Two reasons why. Number one, holy does not share space with unholy. God hates Satan and Satan hates God. They don't like each other. They're not going to be in the same room with each other. So you say, Lord, is there any part of me? Is there any part of me? I am your temple. I want you to, I want you to be in me. I want you to be around me. I want to be like a sponge just soaking wet with water. I want to be soaking wet with you. So if there's something in me that's filthy or dirty, I am sorry for it. And then you just allow things to come to your mind. Whatever comes to your mind, you just say, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. And God begins to forgive you. But what's so awesome about repentance is that the Bible says this, refreshing comes to those who repent. Amen. What does that mean? This is, that means that when you are asking God to forgive you in some radical way, you will feel yourself refreshed. It's crazy, I'm telling you. You'll feel yourself less worried. You'll feel yourself less stressed. You'll feel like things are better in your life, even though you haven't seen anything change. That's called refreshed. That happens when you ask God to forgive you. And then you go into the number three, um, which is personal growth. And personal growth is, is a huge thing because you want God to change your heart. You want God to change your heart. I read about this guy um, that uh, his heart was all mixed up. It was all mixed up. Um, it, he, he was sitting there watching TV. His wife came up behind him, hit him in the head with a frying pan. Ping! He said, babe, wh why, why did you just hit me in the head? She goes, I was doing the laundry. I saw your wallet in the wallet. I opened up a piece of paper. It said, Mary Lou. And he goes, baby, sometimes, you know I go to the horse races sometimes. Every once in a while, I put a couple bucks on a horse, and the horse was Mary Lou. I'm sorry. She goes, oh, okay, no, I'm sorry. The following week, she comes back with a bigger frying pan. <laughs> ping, 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 ping. Knocked him out. He wakes up and goes, baby, what, what was that all about? She looks at him, she goes, your horse just called. <laughs> In the name of repenting, personal growth. <laughs> I'm hearing some, some delayed laughing. You just got it. <laughs> oh, the horse. Uh, so per <laughs> personal growth, personal growth. That's when you're saying, God, I, I want you to change my heart. You know, uh, let, let me read this verse. It's in Luke chapter six, verse 45. It reads like this. A good man brings good things 
out of the good stored up in his heart. So when there's good in your heart, good things happen in your life. When your heart is good, everything else is good. Whatever's in that heart. And an evil man, when you're doing evil things, sinful things, the evil things come out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the heart is actually a container. It actually holds things. So imagine for a second that this container holds the contents of my heart. And wherever I go, I just spray it. I open my mouth. It comes out of my face. comes out of my eyes. It's just your heart is a container. And you can tell what's inside of a person's heart just by listening to them. Because the heart reveals, the mouth reveals what's in the heart. And for those of us that evil, we're doing bad things. What does that mean? That means there's something bad in the heart. You're doing good things. You're saying good things. You're helping people. You're doing nice things. You're being kind when people are being mean to you. You know that's God on you. What does that mean? That means your heart is good. And you're spraying it. I went and bought some weed kill from Lowe's a while back. It was the funniest thing. It was clear, just like water. Everything I sprayed it on died. Everything. Bam, 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 sorry. Bam, 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 bam. I hope you're not a guest. Um, give them two coffee mugs, okay? Bam, 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 bam. It, it's, it's just all of a sudden. Are you okay? Sorry. Um, it, 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 anything you touch. It, it, and I, my brother, uh, Nathan, he doesn't come to church here. lives in, in the Bel Air area. He's 32, single. And, and I said, look, man, you know, when you meet girls for the first time, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. <laughs> and then when you marry them, you're not meeting. You still haven't met her. You, you meet the real her like two years later. <laughs> and all the ladies said, well, hey, talk about the men. I know, I know. I, I had a lady one time insinuate she, she, the, the guy that she married was hiding inside of the guy that she thought she was married to. And the guy that she ended up marrying was 70 pounds heavier than the guy that she thought she was marrying. I'm just, yeah, he changed. Um, You got to look, you can tell who a person really is by listening to what comes out of their mouth. They tell you what's in here. So when you pray for personal growth, you're asking God to change your heart. You're also asking God to give you faith. Do you know that faith and fear is the same thing? Faith and fear is the same thing. Fear, if you've ever been stressed out, if you've ever been anxious, all of that comes from fear. Fear and faith is the same exact thing. Fear is believing and being certain of what you cannot see. Faith is believing and being certain of what you cannot see. Fear, you're certain bad is coming. 
You're stressed out because you think bad is coming. You're anxious and worried because you think bad is coming. Your, your self-esteem and your self-image is really low because bad is coming. When people look at you, you don't think they're going to like you. That's all fear-based. So fear and faith are the exact same thing. You're believing and you're sure of what you cannot see. The only difference is, is that on one hand, you believe, I believe, even though I can't see it, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, when I get there, God is going to be there. He's waiting for me. He's preparing it for me. He's going to make sure it's going to be okay. He's preparing me right now for that moment. When it's fear, you're anxious, you're stressed, you can't sleep because what's coming, you don't think it's going to be good. And when the heart and the fear is present, you need personal growth. Otherwise, you turn into this community of people that I recently read about in India. It really broke my heart whenever I read about them. Because it was a group of people, uh, let me make sure I, I pronounce uh, their name right. It was the, um, yes, uh, sorry about that. It was uh, the, the Dalit, I believe is how you pronounce it, D-L-I-T. The, the, am I pronouncing that right? The, the Dalit, these, these people are in India. And they are called the untouchables. Uh, it's been going on for 3,000 years. The only jobs that they are allowed to have in their country is they clean sewers. They remove bodies of dead animals from the streets. They do not receive any food, help from the government, and they're not allowed to live in any cities for 3,000 years. They, nobody, nobody in the country will embrace them into the community. They have to eat by themselves and they have to figure things out by themselves. And the only jobs they get are the jobs that are gross and terrible. They're called the untouchables. Look it up. It's called the, the Dalits in India. It's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And you know what? It, it was interesting because while I was studying this group of people, they said something very, very fascinating. They said there is no emancipation process like there were for other races because other races changed their thinking and they changed their heart and they started seeing themselves different. And they started saying, you know what, God, I believe that I'm supposed to have better than this. They never, ever have crossed that bridge mentally. And so for 3,000 years, father is teaching son and mother is teaching daughter that they are the untouchables. That they're filthy and they're dirty and they don't deserve to live in the, in the culture. It is terrible and it is sad. This is an extreme image of what we do with ourselves. That's why we have to say, God, change 
me. Change my heart. I'm telling you, we have got to pray because the only thing that changes our heart, the only thing that will ever change your marriage, you can come to church 52 Sundays out of 52 Sundays and the same problems you have today, you will have this time next year unless God gets in your life and begins to move things. That's why we pray passionately. I pray prayers like this. Dear God, if you don't help me, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't do it's not going to happen. I remember when we moved into this building, we had like 124 people at the Woodlands High School. This building was for $4.2 million dollars. And I remember telling God, if you want us to have that building, it's going to have to be a water into wine kind of miracle. Have you ever needed a miracle like that? It was $4.2 million. It may have been, if it was a billion dollars, it wouldn't have been any more difficult. Are you with me? You got 125 people and that's counting pregnant people twice. (laughs) All right. That was a huge miracle. You need God. I need God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Let me say this is my last and final point. When you get to that point on friends and family, this is still in your personal world. When you get to that point of friends and family, did I skip one? Yeah, friends and family. This might be a point on the wheel that you want to just kind of glaze over. You may want to just glaze over it and get to the next part of the wheel. I want to encourage you, don't do that. To pray for your friends and family. Let me tell you why. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Job. Job lost everything that he had in one day. He was wealthy. He was rich. He lost it all in one day. Worse than that, he got sores on his body. Sores covered his body. And the only way he could relieve himself is he would break a pottery vase take the glass, drag it up his arms, and pop these sores so the pus would come out to give him some relief. Theologians say that he went through this for nine months straight. He prayed. He tried to stay faithful. He did everything he knew how to do. No relief. Watch what happens when he stopped praying for himself. In Job chapter 42, verse 10, it says this, After Job had interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune and then doubled it. I'm telling you, when you and I begin to live with prayer being our first response instead of our last option, Things happen. Things happen. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the next part of the wheel. I don't know if they have that up there. I'm going to talk about petitions. Because you have legit needs that you need God to not just come into your atmosphere. Not just do that. You need Him to send angels on your behalf. Listen to this. The Bible talks about opening up doors of opportunity. You need a door of opportunity because right now I call it you're living in the hallway. 
you're in the hallway. There's no doors of opportunity and all the doors are closed. That's when you need to have petitions and prayer requests. I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. But as of right now, I just wanted to cover those first four areas. And I want to emphasize, when we pray for each other, God moves on your behalf. He moves on your behalf.